The Kansas City Royals have a whole new player development staff under new general manager J.J. Piccolo. When can you expect these pitchers to show improvement? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of Bravestoday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Fun one for you today. I hopped on the Royals Rundown podcast with Jacob Millam. We talked about this Kansas City farm system, where the, the top prospects are, Uh, some of the expectations for some of these young pitchers, and then how a new player development staff can develop these pitchers and how it's not so much how to throw a pitch as it is understanding when to throw the pitch and why. Really fun conversation. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Royals Rundown Podcast. Jacob Milham still here, and I have a very special guest with me right now, Lindsey Crosby of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Lindsay, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I am. Listen, baseball is tomorrow. I am so happy our long national wait is over because mm-hmm. the game that we love is back and I could not be happier. You got me at the best night of the year. Has spring training changed anything for the prospect outlook? So a lot of spring training, I, I struggle sometimes because you have to figure out when you look at the stats, what is a useful stat and what is small sample size or lucky convenience, things like that. If you're curious about trying to go back and look at spring training stats to figure out if they're useful or not, when you pull up a guy on baseball reference, there's a little thing in the spring training stat line. It says quality of opponent and it's a one through 10 score. Uh, So I'd like before anybody gets super hyped about a stat line they see in spring training, go look to see how good the competition was they were playing. Uh, But One of the big things for me is I always like to go and look at the physical changes. Look at the guys who have, you know, maybe they've lost some weight. Maybe they've added some muscle. uh, You know, maybe they somehow hit a growth spurt. Some of those those international guys do things like that. And there's some of these guys that came into camp in pretty good shape. Uh, Some of them, like Drew Waters, came into camp and then got hurt. Uh, He was one of the ones that was reported to to be in a little better shape, had had lost some some weight, looked a little looked a little larger in the the upper half. But um, for the most part, it's I'm just really excited to see where these guys go in Mm -hmm. um, in 23. I did see towards the end of spring training, Gavin Cross got quite a bit of of run there, looked pretty good, looked the patience looked to be real. We always talked about he had kind of gap to gap line drive power and, and, and then he'd pull a home run but it felt like the power had come in a little bit more. So felt, felt a little better. Looked like he was doing better than that 25% strikeout rate in low A last year. So mm-hmm. kind of made you feel good that he's taking the steps he needs to take. Obviously, uh, profiles to be a high A guy, but you have to wonder, would they maybe get him to double A sooner rather than later? So right. uh, sp- spring training was useful. 
but it's still mostly about what are you going to do in the season for me? Unless it's a pitcher who got a new pitch. That's always fun. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And I will say that is one of the most frustrating things to me about spring training is we're, we're looking for all these new things and a, a reason to get excited about certain players. And I go straight to baseball savant because I want some of that stat cast. I want some of that, some of that insight and, you know, for the Royals, they don't play in a, in a stat cast park, unfortunately. So that was very, very frustrating. But I will say, though, like with the timing, like Michael Massey, he's a guy that got really lucky because Nicky Lopez was off at the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. And so he was able to get extended play time. And granted, it's Cactus League. You don't have all of the stat cast stuff. But just the, the, the traditional stats, I mean, I, I want to say slugging was close to 600. Opponent quality mm-hmm. was right there around like AAA level. And it's like, well, that's a good sign. He hit four home runs in like 16 games. You know, keep that pace up in the regular season. Let's see how far we go with this. But it makes you feel good about him making the team and being the second baseman. I actually have him as one of my, like, late round, I'm going to go grab this guy in fantasy and keep him Mm. on my bench because I think he can do something. And once Jazz Chisholm gets center field eligibility, I can plug Michael Massey right in the second base and let's roll. Heck yeah, that doesn't sound like a bad plan at all. Before we move on from spring training all the way, I do want to ask you about Nick Lofton. You were talking about some of these um, physical changes that we see in players in spring training, and that is all Royals fans heard about during the spring training broadcast. Um, people with the team were saying he's gained 20, 25 pounds of, of muscle, and you can you could see it during the games. Like He looks considerably bigger. And right now, MLB.com does have him ranked as the fourth highest or fourth most promising, I guess, prospect in the Royals system. Are you are you high on Nick Lofton at all? So I I had best thought about Nick Lofton as that Ben Zobris type of super utility. But the reason mm. I had him as a super utility guy was because because I thought there was a cap on his power to kind of around 40 or 45. So the extra weight that he's at, I think he's like just over 200 now. Like he was, he was at 180 last year. Yeah. Um, it's something where you saw when he went to, uh, to AAA, his strikeout rate went up, his walk rate went down. So he's not quite a finished product, but it's something, his, his approach was very good. It was just, he was limited power-wise. As long as the speed hasn't backed up, and I didn't get to see a lot of him actually play, but as long as the mm-hmm. speed didn't back up, he feels like the guy above average arm, really good baseball instincts, and has a really good first step. And so he should be able to do havoc on the base paths with these these new stolen base rules. Uh, he st- should still be able to cover short, to cover third, to cover second, to play in uh, corner outfield, provided yeah. that speed hasn't backed up. He has the ability to play four, five, six positions at an average to above average level. And now, hopefully, be able to have at least an average power tool, which mm-hmm. means nothing is below average. He's one of those guys that, yeah, everything's average or above average, but some of his parts, you probably raise his ceiling from like a 50 to a 55, which takes you from an average MLB or to a guy who's a definite starter who could occasionally run into an all-star game or two. Like it's, that was the big missing piece for Nick Lofton was, well, one, get comfortable with, the higher level of pitching like at AAA, but mm-hmm. find a way to unlock the power. And I think he finally did. It's super exciting. Uh, I'm sure Baylor would have loved him to have that power when he was in college, but super exciting to have that here. 
for sure. I'm I'm not going to complain one bit. I am very excited to see him. Probably, I am going to predict that he does make his MLB debut at some point during mm-hmm. the 2023 season. Um, you know, he's 24 right now. I think he is within the competitive timeline of the Royals that they're going to want to see what they have with him moving forward. Back to our conversation with Jacob in just a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Game Time. Buying tickets to a sporting event, to a play, to a comedy show, to a concert should not be stressful. And unfortunately, it is because it's so hard to get tickets that are affordable when you want to buy them to the events that you want to go to. And that's why Game Time is here. They have a a fantastic app that has killer deals on last-minute tickets uh, for all kinds of events. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets. and They've got a best price guarantee. You'll stop stressing over trying to buy tickets and instead focus your energy on having fun at the event that you're going to. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. They have exclusive flash deals in the app sometimes for same-day purchases. And again, that game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get an image of your seat so you know exactly what to expect, your view of the stage, the playing field, whatever it is. You buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. It's just like two or three taps in your set, and the tickets go directly to your phone. No need to dig through emails and pull up a PDF to try to get it scanned and get into the facility. So. Grab your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions do apply, but again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I'm going to assume my listeners have not listened to your uh, to your preview to your review of the farm system yet. So I'm I'm going to kind of start from from base level. No, we can both agree Gavin Cross is the consensus number one prospect, right? Gavin Cross is the number one prospect. Uh, he looks he feels like he's a fast mover, like he should be able to get to the bigs. I would yeah. say probably by some point in time in the second half of next year, like. Okay. If not sooner, it ju- it just feels like he's a fast moving guy. I could very much see one of those high A to double A, maybe two triple A moves this year, uh, or like. But worst case scenario, it feels like you're still looking at a provided he's healthy, uh, a high A to double A, maybe cup of coffee in triple A this year, contending for a job next year, and something where MJ Melendez probably spends a little more time behind the plate. You can yeah. put him at. You can put Gavin Cross right into that corner outfield slot. Uh, honestly, I think with the arm, he could play right field. It, above average to plus, it kind of, it's a little different to me. I, I sometimes see it as better than above average. Sometimes I see it, it's like, okay, it's kind of above average. The speed, not a separating tool, but it's no. enough. He can go first to third on a single. He can steal bases using the instincts. The rule changes will help him. Uh, it, it, it feels like, the intangibles as well. You're looking at consensus number one in the system. And mm-hmm. I honestly have them as a top 50 player in baseball right now, or top 50 prospect. I I was so surprised when fan graphs dropped their 
top 100 prospects and he wasn't even i think he was like 120 or something like that i think gavin cross is going to surprise a lot of people not familiar with the royal system and you know what rightfully so there's not a whole lot of folks (laughs) that are keeping active tabs on royals prospects nowadays but i i will agree with you on i think he could start this season at double a in northwest arkansas um yeah the the diego hernandez injury earlier on in spring training did open up a a spot for the naturals. So I think maybe he could at least go there for a little while, make his case mm-hmm. and he, he might just end up staying there. Who knows? I, I don't think he would get demoted personally, but we'll have to wait and see. And this is why we're so excited for opening day because there's yeah. a lot of this talk has been, Hey, wait and see what happens. We will, you know, just got to see them on the field, got to see them play, things like that. And we finally, we're finally getting that. So I am very, very excited. Um, I'm going to, I got a hit on it. I I love Ben Kuderna. I've interviewed him before. He's, he's a great guy. I think he has a great baseball mentality. But just like Gavin Cross is the consensus number one guy, I think most people agree Ben Kuderna is not the top two prospect that MLB.com has him has him pegged at. Do you agree, Lindsay, or is that the right spot to have? So Baseball America had him, I think, at four. I had him down actually at five. And it's not okay. because I don't like him. One, I, I thought Michael Garcia deserved that number four spot. And that was kind of a thing to me. And I was anticipating he'll be four after opening day when Drew Waters graduates. But uh, part of it for me is you look at the stuff, right? The stuff is is promising. The fastball, I mean, wait, back up a little bit. He has a good frame. 6'3. I want to say he's he was listed last year at 215. I feel like he's a little bit bigger than that now. Yeah. Uh, but fastball sits 95 or so. He can run it up a little more. I think the slider, I love a good gyro slider. I think the slider has a little more work to do on it. And okay. honestly, I wish he'd throw it a little bit harder. I feel like a mm. lot of the gyro sliders benefit from coming in. You want him to look like the fastball and tunnel off the fastball, but he's got such a velocity difference because it averages like 82 and the, and the fastball again, is around 95 or so. And so I think if the slider came in about 85, he'd it'd be a little firmer and it would end up being a, a plus pitch right now. It's probably average and could get to average, but I do think, the tools are there, right? The delivery is an easy, smooth, repeatable delivery. Uh, he mm-hmm. does sometimes. He does sometimes get a little cross body. He kind of works across the body. He might spin mm-hmm. open a bit. It's it's not as consistent, uh, but it's a clean delivery when he does it right. So, like the tools are there, the raw tools are there. But you can kind of tell he's nineteen, especially when he throws his changeup, because uh, <laughs> prep, pit, prep pitchers just don't really need changeups. And so, again, I think the changeup could be a promising pitch too. It just he doesn't really disguise it well. It doesn't tunnel very well because he's not used to it. So I can see why Pipeline would put him number two. I can see why Baseball America would have him number four or five. I think that his true talent level right now is probably closer to the four or five, but I think his ceiling might be closer to the two if he yeah. can make all of these things click. You know, add a little, another tick or two of velocity of the fastball, get the slider a little bit harder and firmer get the change up to disguise a little better and then just keep the mechanics clean. I think you're looking at a guy instead of a four, like a number five starter, he could be a number four, maybe even a number three. Okay. Outstanding. 
Hey, we're already talking about Kuderno, so we let's stick with his draft class mate in Frank Mazzucato. Um, He was, I would describe him as a prospect who has not been very popular amongst Royals fans. They selected him seventh overall in 2021 draft. It's, you know, just folks were expecting more of a, of a splashy, of a, of a sexier yeah. pick. And, you know, Frank Mazzucato really, really wasn't that. Pipeline does have him ranked as the seventh overall prospect i do want to get your thoughts on him though because there's a lot of variance in people's profile of him yeah and fans have to remember too that yes he was drafted seventh overall but he took like two million dollars less than he yeah. like than you had to pay or than the slot value for that pick which gave you money for other guys like a curtain and things like that so it's it's not just where the guys picked but you know that does matter too I think he's another guy, lots of promise, right? He has a lot of stuff. The curveball is a, I think it's, I'm not going to call it a filthy curveball, but it's a very good curveball. Uh, the vertical yes, breaker, is. high 70s. Uh, it gets like a foot and a half of vertical movement, but it also kind of runs to the glove side a little bit, which is out not, it's that two plane break is a little bit harder for a lot of hitters to pick up. The only thing I worry about is it, it limits the ability to add like a sweepy slider later because mm. you already have some horizontal break in that. But he has a, a he has a changeup, also has some vertical break, but that's where this comes into play because instead of doing fastball slider curveball, you do fastball curveball change. So he gets uh, the changeup sits. I want to say eighty four, eighty five or so. I think mid eighties, and so you've got three different speeds, uh, three different directions of break. Because you have down, you have down and to the right, and then you have the fastball staying up. I do think the fastball, he needs to throw it up in the zone a little more. He tends to sometimes kind of leave it down. And that's, it feels like that's a high school kid thing, right? You throw your your fastball low in the zone, because even if they do manage to get a bat on it, they're probably chopping it into the ground and you can make the play. Uh, But elevate the fastball a little bit and then he's gonna get that natural velocity i think he's like what six three two hundred right now was in he was in high school this time last year i mean yeah he's gonna get some of that in there uh the one thing i do want to work on you see it in his walk numbers right i want to say in columbia i think he walked like 50 guys in the the 60 the 69 innings that he pitched it's something where his mechanics in the delivery it's the bat it's the the last part of the delivery are not always consistent where he, where he lands like the front of his body uh, he doesn't always land in the same spot on the mound and so be, when he's inconsistent sometimes the way he he leads or the, sorry, the way he lands with that front leg it mm-hmm. causes him to to pull the ball to the side and that's where some of his accuracy issues come from and i feel like that's something that's definitely fixable uh, it just takes getting him aware of it showing it to him and then understanding pitching well enough to make that change and having brought in some of the guys that you brought into this system as far as coaches, your manager, obviously, things like that. It feels like that's a simple fix that they can make. And once you do that, he's got some pretty good stuff. You know, uh, it, it, it's something where if he could, if you could throw more strikes, I just, so many of these Kansas City Royals pitchers don't throw a strike on the first pitch. Uh, it, it's just it's a little bit frustrating because first like if you can get ahead 0-1 in Major League Baseball, hitters will bat 216, 261, 345 against you and strike out 31% of the time. 
if you can get and up 0-1 versus 1-0. So something I really want to see. Uh, and then I think the Royals were towards the bottom of that list as far as how often they got a first pitch strike in. I want to say uh, one. I was going to say twenty eighth or 29th in first pitch strikes. So something I want to see them work on is if he can work on that control, he can land those pitches for a strike on the first pitch, get ahead in the count, and then he's just going to take off and explode. Just a matter of getting that biomechanical stuff worked out. Can I wrap up our conversation with Jacob in just a minute? But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with FanDuel, the MLB season is finally here. We started last night with a great slate of day games on Thursday. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up today to claim that no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from individual games to player props to season-long predictions, World Series, who's going to lead the league in home runs, all of, like, just as many things as you can think of. They are there available in the app. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. I So I was way too long there. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> No, you have you have no reason to apologize, Lindsay. Thank you so much. No, I and that's that that's the stuff we need to hear because let's be honest, the the Fireflies where he played at the most mm-hmm. last season, they're out in Columbia. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're in South Carolina. So most Royals fans aren't going out and seeing him pitch in person. And so we need to hear these things and you know hear about the fixes and things like that. Now, speaking of fixes. There is a lot of pressure being put on the new people that the Royals have brought in this season. And of course, rightfully so, most of the intention is being put on people at the major league level, you know, new new pitching coaches, mm-hmm. new uh new pitching assistant. I think Mr. Bove is going to be a, a very underrated addition to the the pitching coaching staff. But what I want to focus on is the development of these pitching prospects. How soon can Royals expect a return on investment, if you will? How soon can we expect to see improvements and progress out of these prospects that we've seen flounder for years? Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to uh, a lot of it comes down to philosophy stuff, right? So, for instance, bringing in Matt Quattro, uh, you know, the, he he comes from the Rays, who. This is funny because it's very very coincidental. One of the big things that they talk a lot about is throw a first pitch strike. It's a mm-hmm. philosophy. And so I think a lot of it is understanding the this is where the game has evolved to, right? This is where the game has gone. We're going to be on the leading edge of bringing in these new ideas about how to make the game better. Um, so now that you have these guys in, I would expect... By the end of the year, the guys who listen to what they're telling them to do and buy into it and understand, I think you'll start to see legitimate improvement. I would say it should should be within two seasons. You should see either significant improvement in the pitching specifically or guys flaming out because they don't have it. It's something Uh. where when you look at the Rays, the Rays are known for being patient with their pitchers because they don't promote them 
until they understand the concepts and they buy into the philosophy of what the organization is doing. And then when the Rays think they're ready, the Rays will take them like Shane Boz and throw them into a playoff series. It's, yeah. But it's just the Rays are slow to promote their pitchers at the minor league level because they want them to understand and buy into these concepts. And that is the hardest thing to do is to get those concepts explained in a way to the players that they understand, they appreciate, and that they accept. And I think the guys that I've seen that have left Tampa and gone to Kansas City, I feel good about the culture coming in, looking over some of the minor league staffs. A lot of guys who played but weren't the best players, they were really good mm -hmm. clubhouse guys. They were really good. They, they, they understood. They did what the coaches wanted them to do, and they're building the right culture. You've got uh, Brooks Conrad and Haye. He was a former Brave. Uh, Wilson Bediment's a, a, a hitting coach down in the, in the Dominican. A lot of guys coming in that uh, understand the analytics and they understand how much good information and the mm -hmm. utilization of that information can make you a better player. Because Brooks Conrad wasn't a great player. He played for my team. I watched him. He wasn't a great player. He had three, <laughs> he had three errors in one inning one time. Oof. But yeah, but he played for as long as he did because he was open to trying new things and he trusted his coaches when they said, we think you'll be good at this. And that's the type of culture you have to instill. It's not so much a, Hey, show this guy how to throw a changeup. It's Hey, help explain to this guy why this changeup at this location in this count is the right pitch to throw when he's thinking I should throw a fastball. That's what it's about. It's not so much the mechanical. Here's how you grip a slider. It's when do you apply that slider in the situation to get that hitter out? And I think that's the strength of the staff that you brought in uh, starting at the very top and working mm -hmm. all its way down. So I feel good about getting results, seeing some of the pitchers looking better this year. And by the end of next year, having a much clearer idea as to which of all of these pitchers that we've drafted in 2020 or 2021, you know, your Beckways, your Mazzucatos, your Curdnas, all these guys. Are they going to work out or are they not going to work out? So look, looking at the pipeline list, one of the first things that I noticed is there wasn't a whole lot of pitchers in the top 10. And that's and that's fine. That's a byproduct of struggling to develop pitching prospects because it, it's just a historical thing for, for us Royals. I mean, Danny Duffy and Jordano Ventura, those are about the only notable <laughs> prospects that the Royals have developed to be starting pitchers in well, recent years. And it's part very of it unfortunate. Too, part of it too is there was this push to get those pitchers to the bigs that like they were all drafted around the same time. You know, it's yep. like, hey, we're going to get Brady Singer and Chris Bubik. We're going to get all these guys to the bigs all at the same time. But like you didn't make sure they were good first. Getting them to the bigs is only half of it. They have to be right. good when they get there. And so, like, that was part of it as well, is that group of pitchers was rushed to the bigs. And I'm not saying, like, they all would, but like some of those guys would probably just now be getting out of prospect eligibility had they not got pushed to the bigs so quickly. So I think that's, that's part of it. But then I do like the like the, the 11 through 20 level in this system. I mean, if I'm having a top top of my head, I'm saying probably nine, eight or nine pitchers are in that 11 through 20 range. You know, guys yeah. like a... Drafty Mason Barnett, probably in the back half of that 20. TJ Sakema's probably in that 15, 16 range. Andrew Hoffman's kind of hanging around there. 
There's a lot of arms in that mid-range. And the question's going to be, how many of those are going to step up into the top 10? And like that's the question with this new staff is, is it one of them? Because that's the whole Braves way. You used to have you have 10 pitching prospects to get one pitcher. That was <laughs> more the whole Braves way of doing yeah. things. You just load up on arms and you see who rises. But with this Ray staff, you'd like to think the hit rate can be two or three or maybe even four of those guys into the top 10 versus just one or two. And that's the real question about this rebuild is, is uh, how many of the pitchers can they help them figure it out? So I, I don't want to keep you here here all night, Lindsay. I know you got you got better things to be doing than talking about <laughs> Royals prospects. But I do have to ask, you know, when you were going through your rundown in February, when you were mm-hmm. reviewing them before tonight, are there any of these lower level guys that are really intriguing you right now? So it, it's kind of a cop out because he's I think Baseball America has him top 10, but I do like Carter Jensen. Uh, it's something I mentioned earlier, not a ton of catchers in this system. I think there's maybe, I think there's maybe one other in the top 30 on pipeline. I think Luca Tresh yeah. might be towards the bottom there, but I really like what I've seen out of Carter Jensen. It was an odd decision to be like, you know, we don't have any catchers. Let's absolutely go in there and uh, get a prep catcher because, you know, it takes, it, they're so <laughs> quick to get to the bigs, but I like the tools that he has. It's not often you find a lefty hitting catcher that, kind of has some natural loft in the swing and can grow into home run power and then has the athleticism to stay behind the plate. Um, He's raw, obviously. He needs reps, but the arm is above average. He's good as far as moving laterally to make blocks. The hands, the transfer, the pop time's all good. It's just something where offensively, he focuses on pitches that he can drive. Very good approach with two strikes. He's gotten much better at that since he got drafted. Like, there's some growth right there. He wouldn't have been a top 10 prospect when he got drafted. And then to go along with all of that, it's he's going to have natural strength gains. And I think you're going to see the home run power start to come in. I think he hit, what, 11 last year in in like 113 games. He feels like a guy who's going to be closer to 20 home runs this year. And I think has a ceiling of probably 25 at the major league level with a hundred starts or so. I don't know if any catcher will do that when he gets up by then, but uh, I really like Carter Jensen. I had him as my breakout prospect for anybody who's going to go watch that episode. Uh, Spoiler alert. I had him as the breakout uh, in that (laughs) show to break out this season. Just really like what he does. Like, like him on film. Feel like the baseball IQ is there. I always forget he he's only 19 too. He is he is one of the youngest top yeah. 10 prospects in the Royal system. So there, there's yeah. still a lot of growth there. Yeah. And then getting outside the the top 10, Diego Hernandez, the outfielder, Zayafe yeah. in 2017. Um offensively, obviously, he's got some stuff to work on. He hits the ball on the ground too much, like 50% of the time. Uh, I I I've heard he's working on that specifically, but defensively, it is a lot of fun to watch him play in the mm-hmm. outfield. It's that 70 grade speed. He it just, it's just really good reads, routes, reactions to the ball. Uh, looks very good. It's like if you can just shorten the swing and elevate the dang ball, you will be a center fielder in Kansas City next year. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. just do those two things for me. Um, I mean, he, he was in double A last year. I think he hit like, what, 280 or something like that. And it's because he's so fast, he can slap it in the ground and beat the throw to first. That's yep. not sustainable at the major league level unless you're Billy Hamilton. So, 
I need him to work on the uh, the shorting the swing, elevating the ball a little bit. But I do like what Diego Hernandez has as far as tools and ability. And I think he's that close from being able to turn it into uh, a guy who can live as a starter at the major league level. I, I do agree. Diego Hernandez, I was super high on him ahead of spring training. Um, that dislocated shoulder early on in spring training did really, really, really kind of like, oh man, he's gonna it's gonna take a while for him to get back. But hey, let's look on, let's see what he's already done. Seventy five stolen bases over the past two seasons. That mm-hmm. that speed is is there. It's in the field. It's on the base paths. And he had a little power jump last year. He hit nine home runs in Double A, which it it isn't a whole lot, but that's still. I would say that tracks with Michael Garcia. You know, Michael Garcia was kind of one of these defensive first infielders who had a nice glove and was a good contact and speed guy. But, you know, once he started developing that power tool a little bit more, that's where he started turning some heads. So I think I, I do agree with you. I think Diego Hernandez, after he's healthy, he could turn a lot more heads by the end of 2023. Um, for, for all my listeners out there, please go check out the lock. Locked on MLB prospects podcast. There, it's not just Royals, but even the just the Royals content alone is some of the best prospect breakdown that, that you're ever going to hear. So, Lindsay, we really do appreciate all the work that you're doing to highlight our uh, our little old farm system down here in Kansas City. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jacob. Thank you for having me. Of of course, of course, and you can go follow Lindsay on Twitter at Crosby Baseball and. Lindsay, please refresh my memory. Where can they find just locked on in general? Uh, so anywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube, five days a week covering all 30 teams in Major League Baseball, as well as fantasy baseball. Obviously, I'm covering prospects. And then just about every other major sport you can think of. We have NFL. We have NBA. We have hockey. We have about 50 college te- uh, college shows. So anywhere you get your podcast and YouTube. You can find the Locked On Podcast Network. To all of our listeners out there, please go check out RoyalsReview.com when you can for even more prospects breakdowns, even more news and updates on all things Kansas City Royals. But until next time, go Royals!